Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Let's do the right thing. Brought to you by Passion Media in association with RadioWorks and Maple Street Creative. This is the LDTRT podcast, uh, brought in conjunction with Passion Media and Radio Works. It was set up to tell the story of media leaders in the industry and focusing on their journeys and motivations. I myself launched a media agency last year, in fact, coming up on two years ago now, Passion, to focus mostly on fashion, entertainment and leisure verticals. And I've had loads of great advice in doing so along the way, a lot of it from guests on this podcast. I'm still on the mission to gather the best advice as we grow into our second year. Delighted today to be speaking with Omar Oaks. Omar is the editor of The Media Leader and fellow podcast presenter. Omar has been reporting on the media industry and championing its future at The Media Leader for the last three or so years, prior to which he was at Campaign as media and technology editor. Here, I'm hoping that we're going to get some decent gossip in this recording as to how the future of media looks. Hello, Omar. How are you? Hello, I'm fine, thanks. But you've put me you put me off guard because I'm now I'm wrecking my head for any decent gossip to bestow upon you. <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll come up with some. We can even make it up. I mean, it doesn't all have to go into the end result of the podcast, of course. Yeah, don't let truth get in the way of a good story. Oh cetera, gosh, that's straight through my heart. Brand that I was involved with a couple of years ago, but maybe we'll get onto that. Um, so the interviewer being interviewed today, how does that feel? Um, it's quite daunting, actually. Before recording, I pleaded with you, please do, you know, give me the the, the hand chopping the neck signal if I'm rabbiting on too much, <laughs> as um, my my colleague Jack tends to tell me that I do on our own podcast. Fair enough. We'll make make sure there'll be lots of hand gestures going on in here, but hopefully all friendly ones. Um, I read your article you published a couple of days ago about the future of the industry and the future of media, and you're bright and you're bullish, and you think it's going to be good. Yes, I do. I think um, we're actually, over the last 10 years or so, well, almost 15 years since the financial crash, we're actually, we've been living through an aberration in the media space where we've had rock bottom interest rates for a long time. We've had social um, platforms from Silicon Valley, which have been propelled by low interest rates, cheap money sloshing around um, venture capital funds, etc. And they've been allowed to, frankly, not make a profit for a long time. And that's allowed them to create their own monopolies in their own different spaces. Facebook has, you know, a relative monopoly in social media. Google has had a monopoly for a long time in search. Netflix for a long time, let's face it, had a monopoly in streaming TV. Mm-hmm. That meant they didn't have to compete. And why I'm optimistic about the future is because interest rates have gone up. Um, a lot of competitors have arisen from different places. Um, with the exception of Google and search, it is a much more competitive media landscape. And with competition should bring innovation, it should bring talent to be recognised for talent, it should bring 
um, a more considered approach to how we deal with audiences, media measurements, transparency. And so I'm very hopeful indeed that the, the next coming decade is going to bring about more competition and, frankly, better advertising. Oh, let's hope so. I mean, I I think it's long overdue that there's be that for a resurgence in the certainly in the the way that news brands are presenting their media in a digital format that needs to be completely overhauled. I mean, I don't enjoy the experience at all on any of the devices on a on a laptop. It's awkward. It's horrible on a mobile phone on an iPad. It, it's awkward and difficult. Something has got to happen whereby that we're thinking putting the users front and center so that they're enjoying that, but then also then probably more responsive to the ads that been carried on it and again you know maybe we need a a a a pivotal point that, that drives better creativity and better experience all around so i i tend to agree with you i, I think it's i think it's really exciting as a as a small agency we are also seeing oh by the way feel free to do the sign at me as well if you think <laughs> I, I'm, I'm rubbing on but the um we we feel that there is a correlation of the then the increase the the rise in the steep rise in interest rates over the last eighteen months has correlated to a spend increase from our clients, but also a further investment into the effect of the creativity. So we're seeing a lot more investment going, which I find is quite weird. Um, with an increase in interest rates, I didn't get it. I didn't certainly not something that I could have foreseen. That must foreseen. be due to a shorter term reason. It can't, it's probably different to what I'm talking about, though. Yeah, absolutely. So, so but it but it's triggering a a, a better practice in, in the clients. They're they're doing better ads and they're, they're doing better advertising campaigns and, and working harder. So if the industry, the media side of things is doing the same thing, then surely that's going to be a, a golden uh, like bullseye for the industry to work better. Yeah, I hope so. And I think we've, we've maybe forgotten how important competition is. I mean, for decades and decades, we've had these established media formats, television and radio in particular, which are constructed to accommodate advertising. So our procedural... TV crime show, let's say, the screenwriter will actually build in cliffhangers within that episode because knowing there's going to yeah. be an ad break. Compare that to what people have become accustomed to over the last 10 years of YouTube, where you'd be watching a five minute ad and out of nowhere, with yeah. no context, with no um, consideration, an ad will just appear. Two ads now, they increase the ad load. Um, and so, you know, younger generations who are consuming media they just think that in advertising always has to be interruptive, nonsensical, invasive. And that's because platforms like YouTube have had to exist in a monopoly where they haven't had to think about that. Yeah. I'm, I'm very hopeful that's going to change. So how, how's that going to drive competition? Are you going to see better practices arising from, from independent or smaller publishers? Obviously, everybody's a smaller publisher compared to Google. Or is it something that's going to drive within the monopolies already? So your Facebooks, your Googles, your Netflix, your Apples, etc. Are they going to lead it or is it going to come from everywhere? I, th I think, frankly, in the internet age, it is difficult for smaller players to achieve the kind of scale that would be a competitive pressure on those already incumbent big platforms. So I do think that we're going to see some external pressure that will force or should I say encourage those monopoly platforms to change. So whilst you might say that Twitch isn't a direct competitor to YouTube or Vivo isn't a, well, it's, it's, it's a frenemy of, um, it's, it's a, almost a joint partner of YouTube, um, Vivo. It's, there are competitive pressures that will force um, YouTube to offer a better advertising experience. Um, because as Netflix goes into develops an ad tier as Disney Plus does that. We've already had Paramount Plus. Um, 
as they get better, you would think of having to compete with each other, of offering better inserted ads within a streaming TV experience, people will then look at YouTube, which is a video watching experience, and think, well, why are you still doing this when actually we could be, you know, we could... So in terms of that, I think even though they're not the same sector in particular, YouTube will still remain a monopoly, that overall competitive pressure will change. Do you think then the, um, the, the potential for long-form content on YouTube is going to fall away? There was a bit of an effort over the last few years. It felt like they were trying to get more and more longer form content. But then at the same time, shorts came out. And the longer form content, to me, for, for, for my consumption behavior, is on Netflix, is on Disney, is on Amazon. So I, I'm differentiating my behavior. So maybe there's a, a behavioral change there as well for the way that people will be consuming the monopolies as they were. I don't know what the latest figures are on how many people consume YouTube premium. Um, I've never have done. I get the ads all the time. (laughs) Shut them down all the time. No, no, of course I'm not interested in paying £16 a month. It's incredibly expensive, you know, um, just for, you know, to to listen to to, to YouTube videos while your phone is off in your pocket, treat it like a podcast player. Use it to fall asleep to. It's difficult, you know, as Netflix is finding, it's difficult when user behavior is so entrenched to get people to suddenly think oh well i'll either pay more money or i'll watch it with ads for cheaper you know people have a very fixed idea of what a media platform should offer i think youtube has always been the pioneer of short form content and now as it faces more competitive pressure from tiktok again that c word um, this is why they've invested so heavily in shorts because that's a format that works and i think that speaks to a wider dynamic within media consumption generally where you know, you say there was a renaissance of long-form content. I don't see it. I see the I see the massive uptake in people using TikTok, continued use of YouTube, um, the fact that you see lots of TV broadcasters now looking at their own BVOD platforms, are looking at adapting longer form into shorter form content as well. There could be ITVX Shorts as a regular platform before long. Yeah. I see that happening. Um, I think that's I, probably going to be announced in what two weeks? Two weeks time is a year of ITVX. I, I imagine. Uh, what's yeah, this space? Yeah, and they've got their their Upfronts Palooza event. Um, I think next week. I think. Um, so yeah, I, I I think long form. I think there are a lot of challenges. Um, we'll see. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. 
Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. What about all other media? I mean, is, is, is the future bright for other platforms, magazines, for out of home, for cinema? Or are you, are you thinking specifically uh, digital when you, when you look to the future and think it's bright? There's a there's a shop around the corner from where I live in southwest London, and um, they, they they painted this sign outside the shop saying "We buy vinyls." You know, I've never. I'm almost forty years old. I've never owned a vinyl record, but really? a lot of people love them. Yeah. Um, and the same thing, you know, the media never dies. Some people have got laser discs, CDs, VHS. Yeah. If you can believe it. Some people still have. Still them. collect them. Still valuable. D- I don't, but yeah. Yeah, DVDs. You'd think that everyone would just do all streaming all the time. Like media, media, never, media formats never die. But clearly, the trend is towards everything being digital all the time. Um, I don't see a huge future for the printed medium, if that's your question. But I do see as publishers get better at doing digital, as expectations are raised in terms of what you expect. I mean, at the start of the conversation, you were talking about how you go onto a a website and just bombarded with all these crap ad inventory. And thank goodness they're not tracking us all over the internet in the same way that they used to be um, before. But I, I think that, Again, the long-term trend is towards people demanding better advertising experiences and actually media creators, media publishers appreciating that advertising shouldn't go away. Advertising is still very important to how we fund the media, yep. but let's just make it a better experience. So is that the, then the, the consumers of the media that are driving that, voting with their feet if they're not enjoying the experience? I mean, is, is there a, I probably should know the answer to this, but is there, is there a body that's actually interviewing the consumers of media media to figure out what it is that they want and then how to deliver against it yeah i mean you you see surveys um there was one this week um, by ofcom ofcom regularly do it um the media nations that they do every year is always worth a read um there are always surveys by the likes of yougov and the regular pollsters um but it's quite it's quite thin claimed behavior I mean, um, the, Barb does an establishment survey where they literally go around people's houses and they ask them, what streaming services do you have? And they kind of, you know, you can imagine if a pollster comes to your door and you're just like, kids screaming in the background. You're like, oh, we've definitely got Netflix. And we've, oh, we've probably got Paramount Plus. And they might have it, they might not have it, but because they maybe saw an ad for it, yeah. or maybe because, you know, it was, it was free with Sky for a while when they first launched in the UK with Paramount. Um, people don't really have a good sense of kind of what's there. It's only media types like you and me that have a really kind of sensitive sense of who does what. I think... Are all sorry to interrupt you. saying that, and I'm doing the hand waving thing. The um, do you think that there's a, a kind of a Google effect in the streaming services that they are all brought under the name of brand name of like Netflix? Yeah. So, we, so we, if you, yeah, we got Netflix, but that could mean um, Prime, that could mean Paramount, that could mean Disney or Netflix even. Do you know what I mean? When, when you're asking somebody in that kind of environment, have you got it? Yes, yeah, Netflix, whatever. Yeah, I mean, there are a hell of a lot of brands to think about. I mean, you think about how it was in the old days where you just had four channels, oh, that, two channels. You would literally get, you know, ask, turn around to your, to your partner and be like, what's on the other side? Because there were only two yeah. channels, right? <laughs> there are a hell of a lot of brands to keep up with nowadays. And you can, people can be forgiven for mixing them all up. So whenever, So that's why I'm always suspicious about claimed behavior and just generally you know 
we're the same, I'm sure, as normal human beings. Do we actually know what we want? There's too much choice. There's too, there's too oh much choice. God, I don't I, want I'm choice. Paralyzed with choosing what I want, you know, and spend hour, you know, going through Netflix and oh yeah, maybe, 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 and then realize that your hour's done and you should have been watching something already. Yeah. By the way, I'm watching the David Beckham um, documentary on Netflix, and I cannot recommend it highly enough. It's brilliant. Um, I actually cancelled my Netflix the day before that came out, oh, so that was sorry. a yeah. massive fail. And I was also I was also at Cannes in June this year, and I had no idea that David Netflix were going to wheel out David Beckham on um, their site. So um, I've had a double Beckham fail. This okay, year. I'm really sorry. That's that's clearly brought up a uh, <clears throat> anyway. <laughs> what else are you watching at the minute? Um, I'm actually watching less TV than I've ever been watching in my whole life, and it's not TV's fault, by the way. I do think there is an incredibly good amount of TV on right now, but there's almost too much. And that's because of a market thing, because there's been so much competition for streaming subscribers. They've frankly over-invested, you might argue, in commissioning things, investing in content. So there's just, there's again, there's just too much choice. Even one platform like Netflix alone, you kind of like, you, you, you know, you find you're scrolling for half an hour and you still don't know what to watch because there's a lot of decent stuff. Yeah. How do you choose? I just never find it, yeah. Um, I think media faces a, a general too much choice problem, an oversupply problem. Um, so I'm actually watching less TV. Um, I'm reading more than I used to. And what brought that about? It's actually social media and drawing down my internet usage. You know, I'm I'm sitting here and I've literally I've turned my phone on Do Not Disturb. I've got it face down, so I'm not being pestered by notifications. Um, I've deleted my Twitter account. I put you know I I I huge restrictions on how much I use my phone. And that's because I'm very mindful of my children. I've got a three-year-old and an almost one-year-old. And I, the way I look at it is, if they see me mindlessly scrolling on the sofa, on my phone, that's like me smoking. That's wow. incredibly damaging behaviour. And yeah. I don't want my kids to grow up in a household where people are just mindlessly zombifying themselves. Um, and I think, you know, we're still on this journey with digital media and having, you know, these media players constantly in our possession, in our pockets all the time. And I think we all have to learn to get better at using them. Yeah. This, there are amazing devices like television. There's never been better television. There's never been better connectivity and having these amazing smartphones. But we have to be careful that um, we're, we're not overusing them. And we, we know that social media, the effect it has on young people, of anxiety. Um, I think we're all in this journey. We have to be honest about that. Yeah, I agree completely. But I have similar restrictions on my behaviour that I, I have like 40 minutes a day of... Of, of allowance that I give myself to, to use any um, social platforms and one of lose too many that it stops it doesn't let me you know it gives you an alert saying you've got five minutes left or whatever and then do you want to do it and it's actually no I'm just wasting time yeah I'm just wasting time doom scrolling through things yeah you might find something interesting but get better from reading the paper or reading a book yeah that's right it's, it's, it's exactly that it's about being intentional with what am I actually picking up this phone to do and actually checking yourself have I just picked this up because I'm a bit bored and I just want to feel all the time or maybe I'm waiting in line for a coffee or whatever and I can't bear to just stand there and be bored I need yeah. to just entertain myself with something yeah, just I look out the window yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think you know as someone who's running your own business as you are I think it's it becomes even more important because we in the knowledge economy the information economy how we actually think about the world and the decisions we make um that's incredibly important. That that's kind of all we are. We're not labourers. We're all we all we have are these things in our heads, our brains. That's all we really have. 
And we're actually abusing it if we're constantly bombarding it with low-value information. We have, to, right. we have to treat ourselves and the people that we employ better than that. I remember, I, I wonder, we said something at the beginning that, that you did know the reference of, of a joke that I made that could potentially have aged us, but I'm going to do another one now. Do you remember Alexi Sale? Yes. Alexi <laughs> Sale's stuff. So he, he was, uh, he was so I think he started off in The Young Ones and then went off to do his own show. And he had a, uh, a skit that I remember from like 1989 or, or, or something like that. They thought that you had a finite amount of capacity in your brain. So the more you bombard it, the more stuff you give it, the bigger things you have to move out of the way to let that happen. So he, in his joke, I mean, he, he forgot how to walk, right? Because he's getting all this stuff and learning all this crap. But I kind of see that's what's happening now, that you're just spending so much time doom scrolling, learning about people that you don't know or care about or have no relationship back to you. You're spending all this time, watch my kids doing it, like knowing all this stuff about YouTubers and about Pokemon and about whatever it might be, but not able to spell. Mm. It's crazy. So you're right, we've got to get it right. Yeah, and that's a challenge for the media industry because, yeah. you know, we're, we're very good at, you know, we, we want to kind of cling on to the shiny thing and we don't want to look like kind of shouty old people who are just, you know, saying how much things were better back in the day. But at the same time, I think the data is in that we've got some big societal problems mm -hmm. that um, over, the overuse of internet and the abuse of internet platforms has given us. Oh, I agree completely. Um, yeah, let's get this right. So your kids are one and three, right? Yeah. Mine are a little bit older. They're 14 and 11. Uh, and the phone is the centre of their world. And we, we, we do really try hard to not let them get carried away with it and get outside. It's sunny. You know, just little things to do. But, you know, absolutely limiting their experience. But, but if you also at the same time recognise that everything is becoming more digital and more technology orientated, we need them to understand how to use it and behave with it. It's a tricky, tricky one as a parent. Yeah. And a lot of people don't like having this sorts of conversation, but you know, it's um, it's what we try to do at the yeah. media leader. We try to um, we try to go where you know we follow wherever the honest conversation gets us, and you know, you know, it has uncomfortable conversations with digital platforms and, frankly, media agencies and advertisers. Yeah. But you know, I, the question, the challenge I would have to anyone in the industry listening to this is, well, how, you know, spend is going up and up and up on social platforms. But are you comfortable with usage in your household going up and up and up? Yeah, it's a great question. Is that an article coming out next week? <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe we'll do a poll because I, I love claim behaviour. <laughs> Absolutely. Lovely. Um, right. You mentioned the media leader and we mentioned it, obviously, of course, in the, in the introduction here, given that that's where you work. But there's something that we do in these podcasts. So we bring people that have created a, a new environment, new entity, and they're doing their right thing and they're running it in their world, in their way, which is you as well. You, you very kindly said that I'm running my business. I am. And you are kind of doing the same thing yourself. You know, you launched the media leader in, January, February 2022. Mm -hmm. So you are running a new brand, a new entity, bringing a new brand to market, creating something that's entirely different and must say, actually being probably the only place that we can go for news that's happening in media land. Campaign doesn't do that for me. Campaign's much more advertising agency focused. So it's great to see that you're doing it. How are you finding it, bringing a brand new brand to market? Well, uh, first for transparency, for probity, I should say that um, it's not my business. Um, I'm just a, I'm just a humble employee. Uh, I'm, I'm a steward of um, the brands that, as you say, we created at the beginning of last year. It was previously called MediaTel News. And that, that was actually a tough decision, actually, because the MediaTel brand in the UK um, is, you know, it's been a fixture of the media industry. Agencies will know it as um, providing um, tech and software services that um, they use uh, for handling a lot of the very important data that they trade on. 
but um, the company was acquired by a company called AdWanted and um, we felt it was an opportunity to create a publishing brand that, as you say, number one, we felt that the, the media community in the UK was being underserved, um, not just um, by reporting news, and that's another reason we wanted to drop the, the, the word news from our brand name, but also to provide that analysis, commentary, an opinion that we felt was generally lacking in this, you know, just the conversation we've been having today is, you know, a sliver, a sliver of a sliver of the kind of just the, the world of media and how interesting and dynamic oh, and challenging it. Yeah. And, and challenging it is, right? There's a, there's a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. And I think our community is being underserved by just churning out news about, you know, who's moving where yeah. and, you know, who's winning what business Agreed. and turning around press releases that you could just read on press releases and PR website. rather than thinking about what's going on yeah. yeah and it's also a pragmatic decision as well because well if we're trying to be a different sort of publishing brand um, how are we going to stand out it's not by chasing our tails running around trying to do the news faster than anyone else it's actually offering added value and I think that's where B2B trade publishing is going more generally increasingly people are putting out their own opinions on LinkedIn and other social platforms, which I think they should be doing, by the way. People yeah. should be much more savvy about building their own networks on these platforms, not relying on, you know, the gatekeepers of media to do things for them. And, you know, news is frankly fungible. It becomes old as soon as it's announced because of the internet and AI is only going to make that worse, aggregating the aggregators. So it's a it's a pragmatic decision for us. How do we add value? So we've got a reporting team and we... Our, our ambition is to drop news entirely going forward. We, you know, um, we still do news, but only if we're breaking it or we're adding some analysis to it, um, adding value, really. We've bounced back into conversation about um, the industry needing qualifications and, you know, to be a practitioner in media that you should go through something to actually demonstrate that you are responsibly deploying a client's money. Um so there's two parts to, to the question. Firstly, where do you sit with that kind of thinking? And secondly, if you're going the way that I hope you do, do you think that the media leader could actually build into a resource for people to join the industry as a as, as courses, as, I don't know, um, potentially even a like a university-ish kind of degree to become a media leader? Well, I think um, I mentioned before that um, the industry is challenging and I think um, talent and how we recruit and develop people working in media is one of those core challenges that's uh, it's a bit messy, it's a bit difficult. Again, people don't like to talk about it, probably they should. Um, some time ago, we launched a supplement to our daily newsletter, which is a free daily newsletter, which provides you know a um, summary of all the content that we've um, published um, over the last 24 hours. Um, we published a career leader supplement on the Tuesday, where we actually want to curate more opinion and analysis specifically on that. My longer term ambition is we develop that into something more like what you've just suggested, where we can actually provide more practical skills um, for people working in this industry. I mean, there are lots of platforms where, you know, Skillshare and LinkedIn Learning, which swallowed up lynda.com, all these kind of online platforms that you can learn. Yes, if I, I want to get better. Linda. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you want to learn how to kind of do these kind of like really useful skills, like how to edit podcasts yeah. and whatever, right? Um but actually, how do you do the, the really specialist things that will really get you ahead in this industry? So 
how do you know in a tough market how do i ask for a pay rise or how do i um talk about burnout how do i how do i manage an account well you know when this in a hybrid working environment where used to not you know the you know an advertising client based in you know a warehouse in the middle of nowhere you only had to go there once a quarter now they're on your case on zoom once yeah. a week yeah. how do you deal with that um some companies will be better than others at doing that proactively but i think there's more that can be done as an industry and perhaps we can help with that to actually provide those really important but distinct training areas discussion points even just getting people in a room behind closed doors we're not going to write about it the next day where we can actually get people to talk about that yeah more debates like that please bring them on yeah i mean i've got I, my I, hand up not not to shut you up but oh, i'm volunteering yeah i mean what, what's the kind of one area where if you could wave a magic wand you would just create a forum for people to to get better at i i think i would uh, oh, good question. What's the one thing that I want people to get better at? I think hmm, this could go in many different directions, and I think I'm leading the whole other episode. <laughs> yeah. Whole other episode. Uh, you have to invite I, me back. I, I, I would love to. I'm, I'm erring towards contro- controversy here, and I, I would, I would want more transparency, uh, more financial transparency in the media industry would be the thing that I could wave a wand that. Yeah, and that's that's a big talking point for us as well. And you you saw it in the summer with the the ANA report. I'm sure you saw that. Um, with you know, it leads to bad outcomes such as ad fraud, wastage, yep. and it's just you know, it creates this drumbeat, this ominous drumbeat in the background of people not trusting each other. And it doesn't need to be like that. It's not a complicated industry. People want to watch content, and people want to advertise around that content. Yeah. It shouldn't be that complicated. No, I agree. Let's make it better. Let's lead the way. Yes. <laughs> they are. Media leader. <laughs> so are you enjoying bringing the brand to market? Are you enjoying the all the hurdles and the understanding of, of what the media leader now means to your audience and figuring that out and enhancing it and building it? Yeah, I, I, th- I think I'm, you're right to suggest it as figuring it out because it's not done. There's never going to be a, a day in which I kind of think, oh, we've nailed it now. We're offering this really fantastic platform that everyone thinks is wonderful and I can retire and you know whatever but (laughs) um, it's 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 like any media platform it should always be looking to get better and evolve and keep up with what audiences want you know going back to the you know what you suggested before about long form versus short form taste change culture changes um we may just you know in five years time maybe we're not writing so much maybe we're you know we're kind of making more videos and podcasts all together that's going to be our primary source of output um but we should always be looking at the data and being honest you know whenever i publish you know i have a weekly column that comes out on mondays when which you were kindly enough to reference just now and i always when i promote it on linkedin for example i always say to people please comment tell me why I'm wrong, either privately or publicly, because either I learn something or we get to have, you know, a debate about it. That's exactly what happened, by the way, in something I ran last week where um, I was actually quite negative about the whole idea of a podcast. And, <gasps> and just in terms of a trade, from a trading point of view, yeah. in terms of just there being too many labels on what, what is, you know, what are we doing right now? It's a talk show, it's mm. a talk show. Why have we created this whole of a label and inventory and all this kind of expectations of different trading behavior when actually we're just making the market too complicated, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and someone from Publicist Media um, commented on the story and said, you're wrong, and this is why. It was a really thoughtful response. Great. And we ended up publishing it as its own article. And, you know, we talked about it on our podcast last week. And, you know, I referenced it in a LinkedIn post. And that's 
you know, I, I love doing that because I haven't got the answers. Who am I? I'm just some journalist who's been writing about this industry for eight-ish years now. Lost count now. But, you know, I'm not a financial analyst. I'm not an old, you know, I'm not an ex-CEO of media owner. I'm just someone who's looking at this market, talking to people all the time and reflecting on it. And I'm happy to be proven wrong. I'm going to go back and read some of your old stuff now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't agree with that. I'll There's a long point. archive. <laughs> I um my I, I overshare so I'm a uh, we, we are gobshites on Facebook particularly me my wife less so we do it for a, for a couple of reasons one that I just I just like sharing and it's kind of my diary so you look back in time and you see your you know this is what you were doing last year and it's a nice reminder of everything that you've been up to but we do it for the kids as well so that um when they are 16 17 and go oh, you never were interested in anything we did as kids dad and you know, well actually here I was and here here's here's the archive. What we do every year is we print them out and we print them out into hardbound books. So for since 2007, when we started using Facebook, I think then you know, they're all in annuals so that we've got our, you know, the Hopkinson family annual of, of these years. And it's got all the comments in it. It's got all the pictures. It's got everybody said and didn't thought. And I love it. I want you to do something similar with your archive because I'm old school and I like sitting down there reading a book and rather than going into something and searching for that piece of content, I want to be able to read it. I want to be able to sit there with a book and go through like an encyclopedia kind of thing. Go, this is the media industry of the media leader. I'd love that. Can you print a book? Uh, that's I. I um, having thought about it for five seconds, I, I love that idea um, because go back to what we said before in this conversation. You know, old media never dies, and it's interesting to to bring things in different formats because different formats have their strengths and weaknesses, right? Um, so I, I like that on that level. Um, but also going back to the social media conversation, you've just identified a really great use of social media where Facebook can be incredibly powerful. But again, you've been really intentional about that. Yeah. You've not mindlessly gone on Facebook just to see what's on there. Well, I post a lot yeah. of shit as well. But <laughs> <laughs> um, So, you know, it, it brings together a lot of things. Um, so, um, yeah, leave it with me. Right. What's this so space? We, we'll launch our. An, what are you thinking? Like an annual? An annual, yeah, like a review. You know, the 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 the, the best episode or best edition of campaign was always the the, the year end roundup to me. When you just got everything in front of you, and it's an archive. You go, what what did twenty twenty one look like? And well, there you go. There's there's, there's obviously a yeah, campaign has its limits and no longer published in paper form, sadly. But please have a think. Love it. I'd like a I'd like a shelf with media leader volumes. Mm. Watch this space. Okay. Almost literally. Woohoo. <laughs> Actually, yes, it is literally. So, it's lovely. Um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm full, of, full of pride now. I may, may have uh, created something. <laughs> What's next? So, you're looking into the future of the media industry. You've said that it's bright. You, you're, you're bullish on it. Um, what do you think? What, 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 what can we do to help drive that? And look, thinking about me specifically here and my, my business, a small media agency, um, growing quite nicely. Um, what can we do to enhance the, the future of media? Because it's obviously something that we're very close to. I think going back to how the media leader or any publishing brand adds value is, you know, we, people have the opportunity to post their own stuff on social platforms. So how do we add value? We add value through our network. Um, and we've touched on it at numerous points in this conversation, but I think we can do a better job at widening that network, bringing people together, actually reflecting how dynamic and different the media agency is with different companies and talent and points of view. 
And I think we can do a better job at that. You know, we we have a, a team of um, journalists, but we also have people that have been writing for the publication since before I joined. Such fantastic writers such as Raymond Snoddy and Jan Gooding, uh, Nick Manning, and th- I'll th- talk th- to Nick tomorrow. Oh, good. He's 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 great. He's always worth talking to, and he's always worth listening to when he comes on our podcast as well. And but we want that network to be wider. And we want different voices, different views. And I want to spend more time actually reaching out and um, helping people um, have that conversation. And I'm not kind of just suggesting that, you know, we want to recruit a whole roster of columnists who are going to write a thousand words for us every week or month or whatever. But just to um, have more conversations, I want to set up more um, talks. I want to set up more opportunities with the features that we write to bring people together. Um, in constructive ways where we can feature those different voices. So that's what we're working on in the background. And I would hope by doing more of that, um, not just, you know, it goes with our, you know, we we run conferences such as the Future of Media, which was last month, the Future of TV Advertising, which is the beginning of next month. Um, we make money from these events by people spon- by companies sponsoring it and delegates paying for tickets. They're only going to do that if the content is good mm-hmm. and engaging, which comes back to my point about the network. It has to be good, engaging and useful. Um, so it's all in service of making those events better, making our journalism better, and by extension, we hope making the industry better because that is a forum for people to have quality conversation and actually learn something. Good, engaging and useful. Those are three words I need to write above my computer. <laughs> I think that that's, um, that's, that's a great way to look at it. And if, you, if you're doing that, then I, I wish you all the success in the world. And you know, being a gobshite and putting my hand up again, you know, if, you, if, you, if we can get involved in any of that, then we're absolutely here to do so. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that. You know, if you um, put my address on the episode show notes or however you're Absolutely. promoting yeah. this episode, I really encourage people to get in touch with me directly or my colleagues. Um, because going back to the point about we don't have all the answers, but we want to facilitate more answers because there's such incredibly talented people in this industry. And do you know what I love? I might actually ask this question to you, but before I do, I'll give you away the answer to what I, what I ask many people I always ask people how did you get into this industry and the answer is always some variant of oh I don't know I just kind of fell into it no one ever kind of grows up wanting to be a media planner buyer or a media salesperson you know they always kind of like fall into it but that actually I think is one of this big this uh, industry's big virtues because um it attracts people who are open-minded and don't have it all worked out and they're kind of willing to kind of think as they go and generally they um, can be quite gregarious characters or increasingly because we need more data people we get you know some more introverted people so there's a real mix now of people that enter this industry who all just fall into it I mean I've already given you the answer is that is that how you did you just fall into it as well I, I do actually have an answer um, but I'm going to I'm going to pause before I give you my answer and give you somebody else's answer and the the first person that i want to reference here is andy morley who's the chief revenue officer of the independent um he said i heard about this industry and it sounded like university but with better money and, <laughs> uh, and i love that so that, that's what i think brought him into the industry mine was um was slightly different i was doing a a phd in a neuropharmacology of alzheimer's and parkinson's disease 
and um, I lost interest in it towards the end. Um, one of the questions I was asked by the, the faculty was like, we, we need to do a website. Um, do you know anybody to do that? And I said, well, I'll have a go. So I did this and, and, and I built a very rudimentary HTML, you know, pretty poor website, but it was interesting enough. And the thing that triggered my, my interest in it was start, my background was um, scientific. So neuropharmacology of Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. So I was studying how and why people forget and looking at that part of the brain of how your, how your, your, your experience of life erodes over time when you have these diseases. The flip side of that is advertising about how and why people remember and how and why people engage with things and how and what, what, what will be a moment in your life that you'll remember forever and how does that happen. And so the juxtapose of, of what I was doing was really interesting. But at the same time, I was fascinated by the website. Now, the website had minimal traffic, you know, you're talking 20, 30 people, whatever it was. But I became fascinated from being able to in a sort of James Bondy way, I've kind of built it up over, you know, James Bond villain over over my life, I guess, to describe it. But being able to influence people's behaviour and understanding and doing something from a point. So from a point, you type something into the website, it gets broadcast out to many other people, and then people respond and do something with that. I became fascinated by being able to do that. So my, I think, you know, it was it was a blip doing the course I was doing, but actually, you know, I think media was always something that I was going to end up doing. Yeah, I mean, well, that's definitely one of the more interesting answers I've heard to that question. <laughs> I've a lot of time to post-rationalise it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's a common thing where you didn't grow up as a little boy um, wanting to, to work in media. Few, no, few no. do. Um, so, you know, I, 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 I think um, there, there, is a, there is a general talent corpus, which is just very interesting. It's a very um, dynamic melting pot. And we should harness that a bit more. I agree. I agree. I think that draws us to an end quite nicely. Fantastic! Thank you. Absolute pleasure having you in here today. Uh, really enjoyed the chat. I was a little nervous at the beginning, given that you also do this and you are a journalist by trade. Uh, I think I got through this okay. <laughs> uh, well, I'm still alive. So, <laughs> no, thank you for having me on. It's a real pleasure. Thanks, Omar. Let's do the right thing is curated and presented by Adam Hopkinson. Brought to you by Passion Media in association with RadioWorks and is a Maple Street Creative production. Discover more episodes and leadership insights by searching Let's Do the Right Thing podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.